Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Welcome to No Limits Church. Today we're kicking off a new series called Uncommon Relationships. You probably realize that relationships that work are pretty rare in today's culture, and we're going to turn that around. We're going to have relationships that work here. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Kate. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, up here in the front row. At No Limits, we're on this mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, we want to help people find freedom, and we want to help people discover their purpose. In other words, we want to help you live that life-changing life that God planned for you before you were even born. Super awesome. It's a, it's a journey, like it doesn't happen overnight, but that's why we're doing this together. And what the cool thing is, is Ephesians 3.20, which is our core scripture here at church, tells us that when we all come together and take those limits off of our life and allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives, then he's going to accomplish amazing things through us. Like, so good that it's going to blow our minds. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, hey, we're going to make an eternal difference in a big way. All right, let's get into this new series I'm really excited about today. And really, I'm really excited about this entire series. Relationships are a huge struggle in our culture, and we're not just talking about marriages, but we're also talking about friendships, and we're talking about relationship in our family. A majority of our population is living life without real relationships. We have like a bunch of surface stuff going on, a bunch of social media interactions, but there's really very few people in your life, if anyone, that you can get real with. In other words, like real relationships, biblical relationships are uncommon. That's why the series is called Uncommon Relationships. But just because they're uncommon doesn't mean they're unreachable. They're within reach. This series is dedicated to helping you possess these uncommon relationships. So you're going to gain wisdom from the Bible, and then you're going to get practical steps on how to apply that wisdom into your life. So our theme verse for this series is found in Romans. It gives us the uncommon way to have uncommon relationships. You're about to see that the, the way to incredible relationships is probably not the way that you thought. Take a look, Romans 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take a moment, let that kind of sink in. You can take your ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Wait a minute. I thought that only pretty things and perfect things could be placed before God as an offering. Nope, all that mundane, ordinary stuff that you do every day can be placed before God as an offering. Now, that's really freeing because I don't have to be at church to honor God. Like, I can honor God in my Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Let's keep reading. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. We get so caught up in what we do for God. We try to impress Him. We, we try to undo all the bad things that we've done. But that's not what God's looking for. He's actually looking for you to just embrace what He's done for you. And we're already starting to get some insight into how relationships should really work. Our focus should be on serving others, and our own joy and fulfillment comes whenever other people embrace what we've done for them. Are you guys kind of starting to see it? God's setting the example, and this is really good. Let's keep reading. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh, you you mean that I stepped into culture's idea for marriage and didn't even realize it? You mean I never took time to think, wait, wait a minute, is this God's idea of marriage? Is this what marriage is supposed to look like? 
Have I done this in my other relationships as well? I mean, culture teaches us to use the people around us for personal gain. We live in a time where we celebrate individuality, and in the process, we lose all of our relationships. How did we fall into this? Because we didn't take time to think. We just did what everybody else was doing. And it says, instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So the solution to this problem starts on the inside of you. Before your marriage gets better, you have to get better. And you get better by, by fixing your attention on God, not fixing your attention on what your spouse is doing wrong. And here's what it looks like to fix your attention on God. It says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down with its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. So if you take what you learned from this series and quickly, quickly respond to it, God's going to bring out the best in you. Super cool. He's going to bring out the best in your relationships. He's going to bring out the best in your marriage. But you can't wait for the other person to change. We all want to blame the other person. Anybody? Or is that just me? That's what the world teaches us to do, but let's change direction and let's God cha- let God change us from the inside out. So let's all make this commitment during this series. You can go ahead and write this down. I will quickly respond to God's direction. Now, I want to read the lyrics to a love song that most of you have probably heard before. And some of the guys in the room may have used this love song to maybe woo their, their, the lady in their life. When a man loves a woman... Can't keep his mind on nothing else. He trade the world for a good thing he's found. Man, that, that's a good... You want me to sing it, huh? Dylan, this is you. <laughs> this song is so sweet, right? All the ladies are smiling in the room. They're like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Go look it up, Brandon. Go look it up. And even the guys like this song at this point. You're like, yeah, that's a good song. That's going to get my lady on fire. But let's keep, let's keep reading through this song. It says, if she is bad, he can't see it. She can do no wrong. Hmm. You know, this is true when you're dating. But then, like, you get married, and about a week into marriage, you find out that uh, your eyes have been opened to a whole new world, you know? You can see it now. She may think that she can do no wrong, but... Well, I'm just going to stop right there because I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> So let's keep reading. When a man loves a woman, spend his very last dime trying to hold on to what he needs, he'd give up all his comforts and sleep out in the rain. If that's the way she said it ought to be. I might spend my very last dime, but I'm not sleeping out in the rain. I'm paying the mortgage, hon, so I'm sleeping in the house. I may be sleeping on the couch after this conversation, but it's going to be in the house. And this song's pretty funny. But the writer of this song is actually onto something because uncommon love, God's kind of love, actually sounds a lot like this song. It's, it's unconditional. It's sacrificial. And God's love song is found in a scripture that most of y'all have probably heard before, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So love was not our idea. We didn't come up with love as, as humans. He, God is our example of love. God is love. So if we're looking for a definition of love, we have to look at the origin of love, which is God. The world's confused. They interchange love and lust as if they're the same thing or as if they go together. 
They've turned love into something you're on a mission to get instead of something you're on a mission to give. And when we get our definition of love from like TV or movies or romance novels or the LGBTQ movement or, or anything like that, the, that the world has to offer, like it's going to fail. It's going to fall apart. It's not going to work. And it's actually going to hinder your life whenever you get your definition of love from the world. But if you look to God's definition of love, you're going to live a rich and satisfying life. Your marriage won't be perfect, but it's going to be whole and it's going to last a lifetime. You'll be surrounded with relationships that add to your life instead of take away from your life. So what is God's definition of love? Well, in the scripture, the first thing, I mean, he gave. He loved us, so he gave. So love isn't the verb. In the scripture, giving is the verb. Isn't that interesting? God loved us, therefore he gave us something. God wasn't looking to get love. Love wasn't some feeling that he had that nobody can explain. No, God's love was expressed. He loved, and therefore he gave. And he didn't just give a little. He gave everything. He gave his one and only son. So this is something that's hard for us to grasp, so I want to break it down into four bite-sized pieces, and you can go ahead and write these down. God's love is unconditional. It can't be earned. You don't have to do something to get it. Actually, there's nothing you can, you can do to get God's love because it's a gift. He gave it to you, and all you got to do is embrace it to receive it. In God's eyes, there's nothing you can do wrong that'll make him love you less. There's nothing you can do right that'll make him love you more. His love is unconditional. There's not one condition to God's love. It's yours to experience. All you got to do is embrace it. And here's the next one. God's love is sacrificial. God's love cost him something. He expressed his love by giving us the most valuable thing, his one and only son. He watched his son suffer to restore relationship with us. And this is a hard thing to understand until you're a parent. In this past week, I was taking my three kiddos for a walk and so I loaded up the younger two in the stroller, turned my back to shut the garage door, and like in a split second, they were, they were screaming. So I turned around, and, and the stroller had collapsed. And, and my two-year-old's legs were like folded under the stroller, and the stroller is like smashing her legs. So I, I pulled the stroller up, got her out, and just was trying to comfort her. She was crying because she was hurt, and she was crying because she was scared. So I inflicted the pain on her by failing to make sure that the stroller was latched before I put her in the stroller. And it's hard to see your child hurt themselves, but it's really hard whenever you're the one that caused them to get hurt. All the parents in the room know what I'm talking about. Now, this was unintentional. Like, I did not mean to, to hurt my child. But God, when he gave his son, it was intentional. He did it on purpose. God sent his son to die a terrible death so that he could have a relationship with us. Can you imagine what God must have felt whenever his son was suffering? He made the sacrifice for us. He loved us, and therefore, he gave. He didn't give something that was easy. He gave something that was sacrificial. So if we want to experience true love in our relationships here on earth, then we have to be willing to sacrifice. No, you don't have to die, but your selfish ambition will have to die. Individuality is going to have to die. Like, this isn't about me. It's about you. Like, I come to church not for me. I come to church to serve you, and I come to church to be with you. I don't pursue intimacy with my spouse to fulfill my needs. I pursue intimacy with her to fulfill her needs. And here's the next one. God's love is tangible. It's not some idea that you'll never grab a hold of. It's not some feeling that nobody can explain. No, God's love was expressed through a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So if we want to know what love looks like, what we can do is examine the life of Jesus by reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you read through those, you're going to see how Jesus treated all people with kindness 
He treated them with dignity and respect. You'll find out that Jesus was never in a hurry. He would put the task aside to spend time with the person. And God's love is tangible. We don't have to guess at what it looks like. We just examine the life of Jesus. And as Jesus would say, follow me. In other words, do what Jesus did and you're going to be in good shape. It's that simple. And here's the last one. God's love is accessible. It's right there, just waiting for you to experience it. All you have to do to experience God's love is to invite it into your life. You simply say, God, I welcome your love into my life. Help me to experience it and help me to understand it. Like maybe you believe you're unlovable though. Like maybe you've had so many failed relationships, you think that love is a lost cause. Or maybe your mom or dad, the person who is supposed to love you most, abused you. So you have a hard time with this love thing. But regardless of what's happened, regardless of how broken you are, God's love is just as accessible to you as it is to me. It's accessible for all of us. You simply have to say, yes, God, I want to experience your love. And if this is something that you struggle with, I want you to focus on one thing this year. Just one thing. Dive in, read every scripture you can, buy every book you can, listen to every message you can about God's love until you get it, until it kind of drops down on the inside of you. You'll know when it happens. And I actually went on this journey several years ago, and it took me about a year to get to a point where I actually got it. I had to study one thing for a year, love, God's love, before it made sense to me. I finally got to a point where when I messed up, I knew I could take my sin to God, and he wouldn't like bash me for it. He would love me back to wholeness. It takes a while to get there, though. you got to study his love until you can get there. God's love is unconditional. It's sacrificial, it's tangible and accessible. And I think that we can all understand how God, the origin of love himself, can do these things. But how in the heck are we supposed to live out this kind of love? I mean, I can probably do this for people who are well-behaved, but, but the people who make me mad, the people who take advantage of me, the people who are just downright hard to get along with, how does God expect us to do this? Well, we find the answer in the Bible. Can you believe that? First John Chapter 4, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So there it is again. You're going to find this truth all throughout the Bible. We just went over that. God put action to his love. He loves us, so he gave. He wasn't looking to receive our love. He was looking to give his love. So awesome, but we're still stuck with the question, how in the world are we supposed to do this? Well, here comes the answer. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Oh, my one motivation to love others is because God loves me. I don't have to muster this up on my own. I simply need to grasp how much God loves me, and the overflow of that is going to be the ability to love others. It goes on to say, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I think we get this backwards, though. We think we have to figure out how to love other people before God can live in us, or before God will be with us. Living in love towards others is definitely like the indicator that God is living in you, but it's not a requirement for God to live in you. First, you've got to know how much God loves you. We're not talking about a mental type of no. We're talking about when the love of God drops deep down on the inside and you experience what it really means to be loved by God, not because of what you do, but because he loves you unconditionally. Let's make this really simple. If you struggle to love others, it's because you don't know. You don't really know how much God loves you. It's not a personality flaw. 
It's not something you can't, it's not something you're incapable of. It's just a simple indicator, a symptom of the fact that you don't know how much God loves you. And the only way to correct it is for you to go on your own journey of discovering God's love for you. Seriously, like dedicate yourself to it and dig in until you really understand God's love for you because it's so worth it. And John, he sums it up a few verses down. He says, we love each other because he loved us first. Let me put it to you this way. The secret of love is being loved by God. Want your marriage to thrive? Put in the effort to find out how much God loves you. Want your relationship with your kids to last? Dedicate yourself to finding out how much God loves you. You cannot truly love others if you don't understand how much God loves you. Until then, you're going to be aggravated with people. You're going to be mad at people. You're going to take advantage of people for personal gain. You're going to talk bad about people and make fun of people. But as soon as you know and you really know God's love for you, all of that ugliness just kind of disappears. And you see people in a whole new light. It's really awesome. I'm even talking about those crazy people in your life. Anybody? You know, the ones who show up to the birthday party and you start planning your escape strategy or you start figuring out how you can ignore them without being obvious. Come on, you don't have to pretend here. Well, unless they're here. Are they here? (laughs) We all have these people in our lives that drive us crazy, and sometimes they're part of our family, so we can't even get away from them if we tried. We're talking about the people who give you advice when you don't ask for it. The, The people who only want to talk about themselves. The people who are kind to your face, and then they gossip about you as soon as you turn your back. Could it be that our first step towards loving these kind of people is not to change them, but to spend time with Him, to spend time with God? Do what it takes to truly understand how much God loves you, and you'll be able to deal with those people. You'll be able to love those people. When you have a deep revelation of God's love for you, you you really do. You start to see people in a whole new light like you never saw him before. And this is when you start walking out the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Take a minute to think about what it would look like to have that kind of life. You're able to look past all the flaws and see who they'll become. And you're patient whenever it takes them 20 years to change. This is a peaceful life. This is a life that has an eternal impact on everybody you encounter. Not because you preached at them, because, but because you walked around with this uncommon love. Like it's, what is, what is wrong with him? How can he love that person? It's coming out of an overflow of how much God loves you. Here's what I'm getting at. Being loved by God empowers me to love others. So let me give you some practical ways that you can show God's love to others because it's easy to make excuses. It's not my personality. I'm just not outgoing or whatever that excuse is coming up in your head on why you can't love others. I'm going to give you five ways that we all can do to give others the gift of uncommon love. And here's the first one. Say it. I love you. you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. You... Thank you. You matter to me. (laughs) You're important to me. I'm thankful to know you. I love you. And it seems like simple and repetitive, but every person needs to hear these things. Tell your kids that you love them. Tell your spouse that you love them. Send a like random text to your coworkers and your friends and tell them how much you appreciate them in your life. 
There was a couple who had been married for 20 years, and they were having some struggles, so they went to see a marriage counselor. And one of the first things out of the woman's mouth was, he never tells me he loves me. So the counselor's like, sir, why do you not tell her that you love her? He's like, well, I told her once, and nothing's changed, so I didn't feel like I needed to tell her again. I don't know why, but there seems to be kind of a muzzle on our mouths when it comes to telling people how much we love them and how much we appreciate them. But let's go ahead and take that muzzle off of our mouths and just say, I love you. So let's all practice together. I love you. Now look at somebody next to you right in the eyes and tell them, I love you. (laughs) I like it. All right, here's the second one. Write it. (laughs) Or text it. Maybe I should have put that in there. Text it. Email it. This one's really good because when we write notes or when we write cards or send text messages, it can be cherished like for a lifetime. I actually have a note on my desk from Beth that she wrote to me not too long ago, and I like to read it from time to time. Here's what it says. It says, babe, you're amazing. You work hard to prioritize your family, your church, but yet you're so successful in business. I believe God's going to continue to richly bless you abundantly more than you might ask or think. Get ready for an overflow of joy, love, peace, and goodness. The seeds you're sowing are going to reap a mighty harvest. Love you. I cherish this note. And the thing that impacts me the most is that she realized that I make it a point to prioritize my family in the midst of everything else that's going on in my life. Like, that's the part that had the most impact to me. Which, you know, we read in Scripture earlier that embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for God. And that's really just an example of it. Having Beth embrace what I do for her is one of the best things that she can do for me. It's awesome. Even if you suck at writing, just do it. Do it anyways. Write notes to your spouse, write notes to your kids, send those spontaneous text messages to your friends, your coworkers. Another great example of this is the birthday cards that you all receive from the church. I'll let the cat out of the bag and let you know that it's Gayla who writes these. Go ahead and raise your hand, Gayla. It's, you have a gift, my friend. It's so encouraging. She takes time to write a heartfelt note, and I've heard from several people how much it's meant to them. They're like, I save every card. They're so awesome. And we do too. It's incredible. And on a side note, if you're not getting a birthday card, it's not because we don't like you. It's because we don't know your birthday or we don't know your address. So if you want to start getting a birthday card and you haven't been getting one, just write your address, your birthday, and your name on an offering envelope. Drop it in the bucket after service today, and we'll make sure you get a birthday card. And trust me, this isn't a selfish thing for you to go ahead and write that information down. You want these birthday cards because Gayla has an incredible gift. All right, here's the next one. Give it. And we're not talking about extravagant gifts here. We're talking about the small things that make a big impact. The meaningful gifts aren't the most expensive. They're the most thoughtful. Like pick up coffee for your coworker randomly on the way into work or bring your spouse's favorite snack home on your way home from work. And when you do these things, it shows that in the middle of your busy day, you took time to think about them. And it makes a big impact. It's funny, like the more financially stable Beth and I get, the less expensive our gifts get to each other. Like this last Christmas, I gave Beth two t-shirts and two pieces of paper. It sounds insignificant, but I didn't tell you what was on them. First little backstory, Beth is going to homeschool our kids. This is something that she feels called to do, she wants to do it, and she's really gifted to do it. So just, it just makes sense. The problem is, culture kind of looks down on people who homeschool. And let me confess, I pretty much dislike any kind of school. Like public school, private school, homeschool, like it all sounds terrible to me. I was an A student in school, but it wasn't because I was a good student. It was because I mastered the art of test-taking. 
I learned that if I studied right before the test and I took the test and trusted my gut, I would make an A almost every time. Sure, I would forget everything within the next hour, but hey, mom was happy, so it worked out. So when Beth starts geeking out about homeschool stuff, I just kind of like stare at her with these like wide eyes, looking for opportunities to like change the subject, right? Who would have known that this communicates to her that I don't support her? Hmm. In her eyes, culture's not supporting her, and I'm not supporting her either. So it makes it really tough to embrace her calling to be a homeschool mom. Thankfully, I recognize this. Thank, thank you, Holy Spirit, for like bringing this to my attention. So for Christmas, I got her a t-shirt that says, Homeschool Mom. And those two pieces of paper were $5 designs, and on one of them was like a list of homeschool rules that were really cute, and on one of them it just says, Home Sweet Homeschool. And I framed both of those and put them up in the room where she homeschools. So I gave her t-shirts and paper. It didn't cost much, but it means a lot. It showed her that I support her calling as a homeschool mom. I also explained that I'll probably never be excited about school as much as she is, but I'm really glad that she's excited about it. So just <laughs> cut me some grace there. I don't know if I'll ever be excited about it, but I support you. And here's the next one, forgive it. We're never more like Jesus than when we forgive. Do they deserve it? Probably not. Nope. But if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, then we have to forgive even when people don't deserve it, especially when they don't deserve it. Because we sure didn't deserve the forgiveness that God extends to us through Jesus. So don't waste time in unforgiveness towards your family, towards your spouse, towards your friends. Like life is too short to be at odds with those around you. Forgive and forget. Move on. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best, because believe it or not, you're not perfect either. What? (laughs) Here's the last one. Live it. Every single day, we're given opportunities to practice uncommon love with the person that cuts you off on the highway, with the person who's blocking the the aisle at the store, and even with that person who cuts in line at Chick-fil-A. Every day we have opportunities to choose patience and kindness instead of annoyance and frustration. Every day we have opportunities to forgive the small stuff and the big stuff. Every day we can practice uncommon love. This is why I love small groups here at church, because in your group are going to be people that you love and people that are challenging to get along with. So you're going to have the opportunity to experience uncommon love, and you're going to have the opportunity to give uncommon love. And small groups aren't just a good idea. They're a biblical mandate for living the life that God wants you to live, the life you really want to live. you got to have these relationships. Building relationships with other believers is the only way to live your life fulfilled. It's not going to happen without it. So do yourself a favor and join a small group. Do yourself another favor and show up to your small group. Do whatever it takes to prioritize your small group because you need these relationships. I need these relationships. And in case you still need to be convinced that this uncommon love, the God kind of love, is worth pursuing... Let me show you one more scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things are going to last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So love doesn't just exist here. It exists in eternity, forever. It's more important than faith. It's more important than hope. Digging in to find out how much God loves you is worth it. Showing God's love to others and putting in that effort is worth it. Because in the end... It's going to be the only thing that matters. Let's pray. God, we thank you 
for your love. We thank you for showing us your love and giving us examples of your love. We thank you for putting your love on display by giving your one and only son. Sometimes I think we take it for granted or we've heard it so much that we lose the impact of it. But will you, will you refresh that in us today? Lord, I pray for every person in here that's um, struggling with love, maybe because their parents didn't love them or they feel like they failed at love too many times or, or whatever it is. God, I ask that you release that right now and help them to move on. Help them to release their past. Lord, I thank you for the supernatural that's going on right now on the inside, that we're being healed from the inside out. God, your word says that you'll change us from the inside out. That's what we're seeking today. We want to experience your love. We embrace it. God, we embrace what you've done for us. and keep your eyes closed like maybe today you've experienced God, God's love for the first time like you felt something today and you you never felt that before like something's just tugging at your heart that's just God inviting you to say yes to his love he's inviting you into his family so that you can spend eternity with him and all you have to do is believe that his son Jesus he paid everything paid for everything you've done wrong so say yes to his sacrifice and embrace God's love So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and we're all going to say it together. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's simply putting words to the commitment that we're making in our hearts. So let's say this together. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing me love by sacrificing your son. I admit I've done some things wrong. But today I put my faith in Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I embrace your love and I choose to follow you from this day forward. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we continue through this series this month, I ask that you um, help us to build relationships like we've never had them before. God, I thank you for the the word wholeness for our year. And and this month is dedicated to wholeness in our relationships. So I thank you for healed marriages. I thank you for healed friendships. I thank you for healed families. God, I thank you for the testimonies that are going to come out of this series because we're diving into your word and we're finding out what it looks like to have the relationships that you've called us to. And God, we, we, we step into your truth. We're we're tired of trying to do it our own way or how culture tells us it needs to be done. God, we're following your way. We heard your word today and we're going to respond quickly to it and do what needs to be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So good. Well, if you all came prepared to give today, here's how you do it. 
If you're given by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope. They'll bring that to you. Or if you need a birthday card, raise your hand for an offering envelope and give us that information. Uh, if you're given with a debit or credit card, you can use the instructions on the screen behind me. If you're listening online right now, just head to your browser, type in nolimits.fyi into the address bar, and then tap the giving button. All right, let's pray over our offering. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to give, and we thank you for what you're doing through our giving. It blows my mind every time I think about it. God, we lift up to you right now. Don't look back ministries. And we thank you for what they're doing in the prisons. We lift up the Philippines and Mexico. And we thank you what you're doing abroad through our giving. God, you're doing so many amazing things through our giving. And we just can't wait to see what you do in the future. God, you're going to take it. You're going to multiply it. It's going to be incredible. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.